0: Most people working in offices don't breathe in vapors from gasoline, dry-cleaning fluid, degreasers, paints, glues, and inks. But people who do are potentially exposed to neurotoxic fumes. The EPA has spent many years developing rules for such exposure. The rules stem from the work of my next guest. Dr. William Boyce, is an environmental health scientist in EPA's Office of Research and Development, and he's a finalist in this year's Service to America Medals program, And he joins me now. Dr. Boyce. good to have you on.
1: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: Now, you started out early on by having the suspicion that people that had effects from some of these fluorocarbon chemicals used in all of these solvents and paints may not have been something that would wear off with no effect very quickly. Tell us about how you got onto this.
1: We were developing test methods for evaluating uh, potential neurotoxic substances that EPA would then use in our regulatory standards. And there were um, several epidemiological studies from places uh, like Scandinavia and other um, places around the world that were showing that painters and printers and people that were exposed to organic solvents uh, in paints, particularly um, things like toluene, that um, those people had persistent deficits in their neurologic function. And it was a variety of different uh, deficits, uh, memory problems, cognitive problems, and uh, visual problems. And so uh, there's studies were controversial they were uh, small sample sizes and there was a fair amount of resistance to them so in order to verify that these studies might be um, onto something we did a series of uh, experimental studies in a laboratory exposing uh, animals to these different vapors and Um, measuring the neurophysiological changes in their brain while they were being exposed. And also I had a colleague, uh, Phil Bushnell, who studied the behavior of the animals. And we could document very clearly that acute exposure to these substances caused a, a profound change in the way the brain functioned. Uh, both neurophysiologically and behaviorally.
0: That really then probably revved up EPA efforts to develop rules at that point. Once you understood that these were real effects that could be reproduced.
1: Yes, yes. And it gave us a, a great deal of confidence to use the combination of human and animal studies to set exposure standards for these types of materials.
0: And this goes back some years, right? You started all of this work in the early 1980s.
1: I came to EPA in the 1980s, yes, in the in the 1980s, we were developing the methodologies that would be used to evaluate a variety of different chemicals to uh, for registration uh, at EPA as either um, pesticides or under the Toxic Substances Control Act, and so... These uh, guidelines that we developed then formed the basis for safety assessment for a variety of chemicals in commerce.
0: We are speaking with William Boyes, an environmental health scientist in EPA's Office of Research and Development and a finalist in this year's Service to America Metals program. And you didn't stay in the uh, neurotoxin area of fume-producing chemicals. You've moved on to other types of materials that can also affect human health.
1: I've studied a variety of things as EPA's um, priorities uh, have changed. Um, So we've looked at pesticides, some metals, and more recently uh, we've been evaluating uh, potential effects of engineered nanoparticles. So uh, nanotechnology is an upcoming field of um, commerce. There are many exciting new products that are coming out that are... um, based on nanotechnology, and these particles are less than 100 nanometers in size, which means that they can, if they are inhaled, they can go deep into your lung. They can transport across cell membranes and be absorbed into the body, and some of them are very reactive, and so there has been a fair amount of concern about what would happen if these nanomaterials were released into the environment. So we've spent the last several years evaluating um, can they uh, be released from consumer products or industrial uh, processes and if they are released, where do they go in the air, do they get into the water, are they transported and then if there were exposure, um, is it something that we should be concerned about either for humans or for Uh, ecological uh, species environmental species and so one of the things we found is that you know they don't stay in their manufactured form very long out in the environment They're they tend to be very reactive and they can uh, adhere to natural organic matter or other particles in the air and so they rapidly transform into other materials and and by and large, these transformations tend to make them less toxic. And sure. We're, we're at a stage of the development of nanotechnology where these things can be engineered purposefully to have different features and properties. And so one of the things we're trying to do is to develop a science of nano materials so that we understand the properties of these particles that will tend to make them hazardous and those that will tend to make them safe and so once this scientific evidence becomes well established then the companies that are engineering these particles can make them so that they have the functionality they need for new exciting products.
0: Over the years, how would you say EPA has been in terms of taking up some of these concerns when they're discovered? It sounds like you've moved from area to area and have found things, and it seems like the agency has been pretty responsive to your research or to your ideas.
1: Um, occasionally it does you know I, I am a, a researcher and, and it really is gratifying to see your research have a influence in public policy um, EPA is governed under the laws that are passed by Congress the Toxic Substance Control Act the FIFRA which is the federal insecticide fungicide and Rodenticide act for pesticides the Clean Air Act for example for air pollution and so under those different laws there are mandates that EPA generate scientific evidence to help EPA make decisions that are required under those acts and so we are governed by those statutes and um by and large they have a wide variety of of needs uh that we try to um pursue and to fulfill and so Partly the research uh, that we do is driven by the regulatory agenda of EPA's different offices that have to, mandate, that have to follow those uh, federal mandates.
0: Dr. William Boyce is an environmental health scientist in EPA's Office of Research and Development and a finalist in this year's Service to America Medals Program. Thanks so much for joining me.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: We'll post a link to more information and to this interview at slash federal drive. Hear the federal drive on demand. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.
2: This episode is brought to you by Zell. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person,